Jesse. Hey, Olivia. We're back. <laughs> uh, just a short break. Long there. time no see. Short two-year break. I mean, I've been seeing you a lot for the past yeah. two years, but yeah. we haven't been seeing uh, our but, audience. So Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, life, things. We just uh, actually, I think the probably the main reason, one of the main reasons is that our producer, Johnny, uh, moved and then yeah. took the podcasting studio with him. So we didn't really have a place to record for a while. Um, and I didn't really have a co-working space that had a podcasting studio. And then also, um, Jesse is studying for a PhD, which is very demanding of yeah. your time and schedule. And you got married and bought a house. Yeah, I did do that. We had a, a yeah. lot of, of that stuff. Yeah. And as you mentioned, our producer, Johnny was also <laughs> buying a house and moving. And then, yep. uh, the temporary, what yeah. was going to be a podcasting studio then temporarily was not, and then permanently was not. And then, yeah, we looked at other places to possibly record. Meanwhile, I'm taking classes every semester. Um, it's really funny, guys, because I feel a lot smarter than I was two, yeah. two you years Yeah, you use so ago. many big words, let me tell you. You just do. <laughs> I mean, you're so educated. You use them correctly, but I'm like, dang, Jesse's real smart. I mean, like, if you smart. have words, you should use them. Yep, so. that's, you're totally right. Absolutely. Listen. Well, We've been really excited. We, we've been wanting to record. And I, I even asked around, like, I mean, would you yeah. guys listen? You know, is, is this something that if we did do it, that we'd get people? And most of our friends and family are like, yes. Yes, it's, like totally. Yeah, it's so fun. I think it's uh, it's been a long time coming. We have definitely wanted to record. Um, and there were times that I would be really nervous that I guess podcasts can get deleted if you're inactive for too long and then I would oh. be really panicked about that but I don't think ours did and no ours is um, still up and good mm-hmm. so um check out past episodes if you're like oh yeah we have a whole first season. season yeah there's a whole first season uh one of the most popular episodes is the first names and last names which I think mm-hmm. was really one of our best episodes um but the one we're about to do today is on mermaids and the kraken and I In- think mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to say in the spirit of the way we opened our first yes, season. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. <laughs> say more. I tried to pull up this last season and then do a little, a few one-to-ones where we started the last season with these myths, with these, like, um, we did dragons and unicorns, and so it felt right. And, and we're in the summer, and I yeah. felt like mermaids and the kraken and, and all that good stuff. Um, it felt like a good summer podcast. So that's what we're doing, mermaids yeah. and the kraken. Mermaids and the kraken. <laughs> and... Uh, I think the other important thing, uh, it's funny when you, so when 2020 started, 2020, Oh my gosh. Um, we, you sent me an email in January with, it was January of all your suggestions and ideas of season two. And we were like, gonna get started. And after it's funny, like after, you know, two years of delay, we were like, you know, what's going to bring us, what's going to hold us back now. And then, um, it's been a year, so... Yeah, 2020 was like, how about <laughs> a pandemic? How about we're going to drop this? How about a pandemic? Yeah. So first we had lots of, I mean, just just months of an entire economy changing, the way that we work changing, the way that we talk to our friends and hang out changing, yeah, the way we that we really eat changing. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, we still didn't technically have a podcast podcasting yeah, space. Yeah, we didn't have a studio anyway. Um, we made that in the last, like, you know, week we've decided. And then, and then obviously we had, you know, even more, um, societal shifts and a lot of the social unrest and the black lives matter movement and all the things we're seeing now. So it's been like a very tumultuous, um, start to season two. Oh yeah. Here we are. So you might be wondering where we are. (laughs) We didn't have a podcasting studio. Well, let me just tell you guys that, Jessie in her house with her husband, Ben, uh, has what we call a Kardashian closet. It is a massive named. closet. It's it is, like a big, it's like a room. It's as probably bigger than my home office. It, it's a large, large room. Um, and it has this huge <laughs> island thing in the middle of it. And please follow us on Instagram because we're going to be posting pictures of our setup. And Jessie has been using this quilt um, underneath us. And I believe we're going to change out the quilt make it a theme. Yeah. quilt of the uh, episode so you'll be able to kind of see what we got but I mean the room is full of clothing so it's <laughs> it dampening is, it's got the sound. sound dampening yeah so we're set we're in the closet here we got our recording equipment thank you producer Johnny uh, yeah Johnny our producer he made us these really really cute oh, wooden yeah, stands for our microphones I mean we are like we have a whole best. system set up. The whole so. system. Well, I don't want to go on too long because um, we hate those podcasts where it's 30, <laughs> minutes, 30 of, minutes of banter <laughs> and then it gets into the podcast. So uh, 
without further ado, Jesse, Although take I, us away. I have to say that oh. we did just cover like two and a half years. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing minutes, really happened so. past I mean, that, I guess. I mean, getting married, like, these huge life events. Those are, oh, just nothing but, you know, huge life events. Well, that events. was right before. Like, I got married in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I had to like check. Yeah, that's when we. Um, I moved. You moved. Um, yeah, I started my PhD. Hang out. It was a lot, though. We did go to Spain. We did. That was fun. We did. Uh, us and our Back husbands. When we allowed traveled. our husbands to come with us to Spain. Oh, it was um, great. They were yeah. they were good. No, it was well, fun. Yeah, all it was awesome. So we should do that again. But of course, the pandemic's happening. So we did learn that I think we're good travel buddies. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was really nice. We're great travel buddies. Yeah. I had no no qualms or anything. So here's the thing that happened with the Lopez's and the McCreys <laughs> in Spain. <laughs> and then I promise oh, I'll talk man, about Kraken's best story. Um, we. Uh, we don't like to overplan our trips and we're really just more of like taking in the culture. We're going to see a few sites, but we like to basically, I don't know, eat and sleep our way through a country. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. (laughs) So because we didn't have anywhere we had to really be, and because there's a six hour, uh, there's six hours ahead of us. We, I'm pretty sure I never even adjusted my sleep schedule. Oh, we definitely did not. We would go to sleep at like 3 a.m. and wake up at like noon. Yes. And roll into, you know, a <laughs> cafe and get coffee and a croissant. <laughs> the best life. And then walk around just long enough to get hungry to go eat more food. Which, you know, Spain does operate great. like that. Like there was one time when we did wake up at like 10 or 11 and we went to a coffee shop. And, and she then, was like, we're barely uh, even open. We're not even open. Yes. Yeah. That's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's my kind of life. It's, yeah, it was very, very much like what, you know, what a vacation should be. It was delightful. It was wonderful. Yeah. And now it's closed because there's a pandemic. But it's fine. Um, so that happened. And uh, I can't really think of any other big things to happen in our life besides that. Um, we've just been really excited to podcast. We have been. Yeah. So. Very good. And I'm excited about this. I can tell you that mermaids are real weird. But you are going to start us off yeah. with the Kraken, the so, big sea monster. Yes. Myth. I'm going to start out with uh, with the Kraken. And I would actually like to introduce a book that was really helpful for me when I was uh, researching this topic, which is called Abominable Science, Origins of the Yeti, Nessie, and Other Famous Cryptids, uh, published in 2013. Um, by Loxton and Prothero. And this is a readily available book. And what I really liked about it is that they're scientists and academics. It's published by Columbia University Press. So it's like a really reputable book on, um, you know, essentially like fake things. And so um, I I think (laughs) I think it's a wonderful, it's wonderful to have books like that that are saying, hey, listen, the only reason that things aren't real is because we haven't yet discovered them. Um, you know, a, a sort of, it is categorized, spoiler, as pseudoscience, but the point Aww. is they're taking a scientific look at things that just, that aren't proven. And so that's a really, that that corner of science exists, I think is really cool. And in that book, they say, and this is a little bit long, lengthy, but I really want to frame it for you in terms of like seriously thinking about these Um, made up creatures and perhaps where the reality comes in. So they say, when discussing the possibility of the existence of Sasquatch, most books, articles, and news reports start in the same place. First, they describe the pop culture notion of Bigfoot and ask if the animal is real. Then they point to an accumulated mountain of evidence for the creature and look back to the historical accounts that appear to resemble modern Sasquatch lore. This approach, common in coverage of cryptozoological claims, which I will get to what that is, uh, starts at the wrong end of history. Talking about the myth in its current form is beside the point. We know that a legend now exists, and as anthropologist John Napier warns, few would deny that today the tales of the Sasquatch are subject to intense cultural reinforcement. So what we want to discover is, this is them talking in this book, where the heck did Bigfoot come from in the first place? Like how the legend changed, how has the legend changed over time? Does the story feel compelling only because we are so steeped in the lore? Um, even before considering the scientific plausibility of Sasquatch, the historian's view may reveal that the mountain of, edif- the mountain of evidence is an edifice built on sand. So the answer where does Bigfoot come from lies as far back as the origin of storytelling. And so I think this is a really important like chicken or the egg kind of Mm. way to frame things that are, that are not real. Um, because as I will get to, (laughs) 
Um, there are a lot of things that are documented and real today that used to be in the category of cryptids that used to just simply be unfounded. And so um, I think that's a really fun, I, I don't know how much you remember about Olivia, um, but <laughs> she's um, she's really interested I'm into myths. in yeah. myths no, and yeah. And not only myths, but like aliens. Yeah, I'm the weird one. (laughs) I mean, you want aliens to be real and to be here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I I would also say that the reason, a huge reason why I love aliens in general or alien movies is because I like how they frame humanity. Like you really you you get a sense for humanity when it's stacked up against something that is not from the outside. Exactly, it's like you get to look in humans Mm -hmm. until we're against something that is not human. Um, And I also just love not knowing, or I love finding out things that I don't know, which is Um, the premise of this whole podcast. Yeah, (laughs) and um, I think we talked a lot about this because I was re-listening to some of our old podcasts, but. I totally think dragons could still be real. Like, I totally think that, okay, sure. Like, we haven't actually found one yet, but who knows? We have a lot of crazy animals. Like, look at a platypus. Look at elephants. They're giant. Like, there's (laughs) things that exist that are so normal. Um, But we invite you to listen to these stories and uh, open your minds. Exactly. So I I think it's what what they're trying to say is perhaps when we think about the kraken or the mermaid, um, maybe we want to think about, or this example of Sasquatch is, you know, c- could it be that the the Kraken, for example, is so built up in the mythology of, you know, a sailor at sea um, being destroyed by a tentacled creature that we're forgetting the in, the origin, which was uh, sea serpents hmm. and generally large, mysterious creatures in the ocean that we can't understand. Right. So we talked a lot about this. Um, So now we'll get into the actual Kraken. (laughs) We talked a lot about this when we talked about dragons because, um, and maybe there'll be an interesting parallel because unicorns were simply people seeing incorrectly what they thought they were seeing, right? Yeah, so I I did, that was in our early days of podcasting when we weren't super defined because I did centaurs and unicorns. Oh, that's right, centaurs centaurs absolutely Mm -hmm. were people who had never seen a horse And a man on a horse. And a man on a horse, and a man attached to a horse via a saddle. It's just so logical. Oh my God. (laughs) The unicorns come from rhinoceroses is what we talked about there because there are, like rhinos are unicorns. They are single horned things. Um, They're just not like filled with pretty, really pretty magical colors. Right have magic powers yeah yeah um but so the origin of the dragon um for the dl the r version of of that episode <laughs> is that it's it's simply a Bones. trying to make sense mm-hmm. of something that is so big that we can't get our yeah. heads around it which is which is likely why it exists in so many cultures independent mm-hmm. of each other um sea serpents and sea monsters are a little bit like that too if you think about um they're very old. They are mentioned in the Bible. They're mentioned in Greek and Roman writing. Oh, um, and try to put yourself, you know, so it, like I said, it goes back to the origins of storytelling itself. Um, think about the sea or an ocean in oh, yeah. through the eyes of ancient people. It is endless. It is dark and it is deadly. Salty. Yeah. So you, you, you know, people who go out in the sea, like warriors and tradesmen and fishermen, um, there's danger below, below it. You know, you're, you're more likely to be swallowed up by something that you can't see. Right. You can't understand. And you only get what you can see of it is only a small part of it, which goes into the lore of the very many sea creatures that we don't. God, we either we don't, don't know, know so or can't correctly define. Exactly. I think that there's that argument that we know more about space than the ocean. Yes, there is. Yeah. So um, keep that in mind. On that note, because I have, I have a line that I was going to read out about the sailors as well. Yeah. That not a lot of us can truly understand what it's like to be on a boat because we fly everywhere. And for like a really long period of time. For a long period of time. Like also, eight months. When you're a on a year. plane, you're not in charge of that plane. You can sit and enjoy the plane. These old sailors on these ships, like you had to pull your weight. You had to do things like you had no option. So you're tired. You're hungry. No flight attendant is bringing you a snack. So you're having to do a lot of you're not stuff. watching uh, um, movies on demand. Also, unfortunately, to talk about history is to talk about terrible things. But 
a lot of these old ships didn't have women. It was just like a bunch of dudes um, on a boat that were transporting cargo or whatever. Um, so yeah. there, there's a note there. But yeah, the ocean is really scary. It's like a whole thing. I mean, it if you're is. afraid of sharks, you you know how the ocean feels. <laughs> I'm afraid of j- jellyfish, although I love them. I I they're, I am I am in awe of both their beauty and Ooh, their that power. Sphere. So the best what? book, Michael Crichton, Sphere. Oh, I've not read my. Oh, I've not my read gosh. that have book. Have you not seen the movie either? Mm-mm. Oh my goodness! Well, gracious. I'll have to because I'm a really big fan of uh, Andromeda Strain and Jurassic Park. Sphere is a classic. There's a horrible jellyfish scene which you should Ooh. not watch oh, no. if you are. Um, well, I mean, I should say this: I'm not afraid of them, but they sting me every time I go in the ocean, which is usually why I don't go in the ocean. Oh, I love so, the ocean. Sharks sting away. Seem a lot more abstract to me. Jellyfish, mm-hmm. like I know, I know intimately. True. So yes, so so imagine the ocean uh, in the eyes of of the ancients. Um, it is it is a dangerous place. Scholar Emily Vermule explains the sea is quote more like a tightrope over an open tiger pit than a safe road home. Whoa. So. Uh, you can imagine also that imaginations run wild of what you might see or not see under the, uh, oceans, um, Mm. under the, yeah under, under, under the, the ocean <laughs> under the sea um but but also uh the idea too that when you return home from such a journey you might exaggerate right yes so oh my god I totally forgot about too. that the human power of exaggeration we love to be like Every there were time, 16 yeah. tentacles on this I'm creature the worst about that. when it attacked there were 32 tentacles <laughs> on this creature it so. was huge you don't even yes. know yes um so the uh the origin of the kraken is actually a little bit nebulous because it's so tied up in the origin of sea monsters um and and many of those monsters um whales snakes dragons squid etc um even think of the biblical um leviathan so many consider a primordial sea monster um others still call him a dragon or whale um, also, it will not surprise you to note that Pliny the Elder does mention sea monsters. Oh, yeah. He mentions so mermaids too. He's no. he's not he doesn't explicitly note the kraken, but he's really oh, big on Pliny. sea serpents and sea monsters, which you could argue is one and the same. So the kraken is known as a giant sea monster capable of destroying ships, has long tentacles, and this trait seems to be though. If we're going back to my sort of chicken and egg lore, um, more depicted, it's more well known now for having long tentacles because of fictional uh, and legends mm. than in like original accounts we have of the Kraken. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so that is really more built up in the lore to come s- from the original notions of a kraken than what the original kraken probably looked like, which again would go back to sort of this like nebulous monster actually have a really good description and we'll have a photo for you, um, of what is more likened to the original kraken. Interesting. So it is specifically Scandinavian and Icelandic. Really? Mm-hmm. I so thought it wasn't. It is unlike the um well sea serpents could be everywhere right and kind of like exist in a lot of lore as i've mentioned but the kraken is a specific um the greenland sea yeah i see that (laughs) and which is which is why as an aside when i looked up the greenland sea it's way up there guys it's like in the arctic um off of the island of greenland uh which is a massive um body of land and it has 422 google reviews (laughs) Yeah, that's and right. so it just it just makes me laugh that you can look up this massive body of water this that is practically is in the Arctic, and they're like, um, four stars. That's it gets four so stars from me. It what? gets two stars from me. <laughs> I guess that would be like like ranking Mount Everest. Like this, yeah, mountain it's a sight too hard. Well, that's what I'm saying. You'd be like, um, I'm gonna give Everest a two. What was so hard, difficult you can't to breathe? Do that. Oh, <laughs> anyway, so it made me laugh. Funny. So yes, it is. It is. It is origin of the the Greenland Sea, um, which is very far north. If you look up the Scandinavian region, it's at the tippy tippy top. So Norwegian lore, so Norse lore, and Icelandic lore are the two um, cultural bodies of lore that are responsible for the Kraken specifically. 
Um, again, not everything that's come since then, right. Where we right. have notions of it in terms of pirate accounts and, you know, Pirates. yeah, like those kinds of things, but I'm talking this podcast is about the origins. So it is first referred to in an old Icelandic saga, Orvar Oder, um, which you can look up. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and actually uh, is referred to as the Hafgufa. Hafgufa. Hafgufa? So good. There you go. Yep. Hafgufa, which they describe as a kraken like creature. And it's described as, listen, more like an island than a living thing. Ooh, I love that. And so imagine almost like the tip of an iceberg. You have yes. like a rocky structure on the surface and below that it is in fact a moving living thing uh, with, you know, f- looks like a fish underneath yeah, the water, but it. looks like a rock above the water. And it was also described in, well, I'll get to the other c- citation too, because that's the Icelandic one. Um, frequently mistaken for rocks sticking out of the sea. Um, legend that it could be um, the mother of all other sea monsters. Oh. Again, this is one culture bragging about its sea monster. <laughs> Our so, sea monster is a whole island. <laughs> Our sea monster actually invented sea monsters. So listen, <laughs> step back. Um, oh, so so Havgufa, Havgufa in Icelandic translates to um, the sea steam or like the sea mist. Ooh. Yeah. So, and it's like, again, when I was sort of looking in, Havgufa is, seems to be the term that's most associated with the Kraken versus... Um, there's another one, uh, that must be further down in my notes that is more like sea monster. Um, it is also described in the 12th century text, the King's Mirror or Koningsskugska. You're doing so good. Uh, it's Norwegian. That's so from the Norwegian language, which is also, um, what I learned from going to Denmark, not the same language, is that most of uh, any Scandinavian language, they just have really long words, but you pronounce like half of the letters. <laughs> yeah. So I am most likely saying way too many of these letters, but um, I'll just say the King's Mirror, uh, which is a text intended to instruct the son of a Norwegian king. Uh, so it was written by the uh, one Norwegian king for his son uh, to help him in his travels in diplomacy and statesmanship. Ooh, so, yes, yeah, so basically a guide. And so what was he going to say? He was going to describe the potential dangers on the sea that his son might encounter when traveling to and from other uh, other kingdoms. Right. So they describe it in the King's Mirror as um, which, by the way, if you read um, Norwegian, <laughs> there is a copy you can read on Google. <laughs> Google Books oh, any has listeners, copy. <laughs> or maybe Icelandic. Now I can't remember which one it was in, but it was definitely like the citation was to this book that was straight up. I could not fact check it because it was written in that language. But um, it notes that. So this is a very old text, a 12th century text noting specifically in the Greenland Sea, there is this creature that was so big and so menacing that there could only be two of them. They're so big and concentrated in one specific area. And the text also notes that they must have been uh, not able to reproduce because their numbers never increased. Huh? So you have this like, whatever it is. Now, again, imagine like, I'm not even saying in any kind of lore sense, we're going back to the very beginning. Like what was that in the ocean? And if it couldn't reproduce, maybe it was real and yeah. we, it just, di- I mean, it, this is the 12th century, so the it just. Remnants of dinosaur type thing. It made it to that point and then couldn't. It, thing. it bred itself into um, for, yeah. um, sterility and then it couldn't um, reproduce. And totally. so. Totally. That's you know, They're real. <laughs> we have no way of knowing because most likely those bones would never have washed up to our shore and just simply went to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I mean, we, they could take a picture of it. They couldn't really do much about it except describe Write it. Write it in this book. Draw it, I guess, which is kind, of, kind of what they, yeah, so they have this, I guess that would have been helpful. Maybe someone could have just drawn it, but well, the people they have who the are description, sailing are so. also the 
artists. <laughs> like, not everybody was so multi-tool. occupational hazard. You just got to draw some stuff sometime yeah, if you're out there. But maybe you don't even have the right tools. So that's a good exactly. point. Exactly. I'm thinking it's, you know, you got a little notepad in your pen. Oh, yeah. Sailors just, they, they're come equipped with their <laughs> they pencil. They didn't have a ballpoint pen? In there. Yeah, a ballpoint pen. Oh, man. No. That would be a good origin. Maybe Ooh. too many people know about the ballpoint pen. I don't yeah. know. Uh, anyway, so... Yeah, we have this this we have this this um, creature that uh, is out there. There's only two of them, and they don't seem to be growing in number, and they seem to stay in the same area. So, um, actually, from the uh, from the King's Mirror, you can uh, you can read an account. It's actually available on the Wikipedia site, which hmm. again it links to the book in a different yeah. language. <laughs> Um, but it says there's a fish that is still unmentioned, which is scarcely advisable to speak about on account of its size, because it will seem to most people incredible. There are only a very few who can speak upon it clearly because it is seldom near land, nor appears where it may be seen by fishermen. And I suppose there are not many of this sort of fish in the sea. Um, most often in our tongue, we call it Hafkufa, Kraken in E.G. Lawrence M. Larson's translation. So again, that's just how it ended up being translated. Nor can I conclusively speak about its length in L's because the time has shown before men he has appeared more like land than like a fish. Neither have I heard one had been caught or found dead, um, though it seems to me there would be no more than two, and I deem each is unable to reproduce, as I've said. He goes on to say more things. Um, But yeah, basically that's the origin of the kraken so it could be a mother of the sea a serpent a tentacled monster something looking like a large rock all um unproven animals so there's a lot of descent on the appearance of what it might look like because it has never been like yeah no one's (laughs) entered in the species of official yeah it's considered it's considered a um an unproven animal which is a cryptid um and so Apparently, Kraken is Old Norwegian uh, for octopus, which is possibly Mm. why that word Hafkufa got translated as Kraken, Um, which then if you've translated it as Kraken, because again, if you have no other word for it, um, then then you translate it as octopus. Now, all of a sudden in the lore, it has tentacles yeah when it might not have when it it's a translation problem might have previously looked like a rock which is what these descriptions technically say so it is also crack crake like k-r-a-k-e without the n is also the german word in modern german for octopus oh so it's again kind of like that wow that doesn't sound anything like octopus <sighs> yeah sometimes I mean, the languages well, overlap who knows but... where the etymology of octopus yeah Ooh, i don't I think of what it is i Spanish. don't know that pulpo well that's the no, that's is it like sea monster? Meat. No, oh. Porpo is like the oh, that's like once it's dead. Squid, actually. Oh my god, my husband, he's gonna kill me. You're fine. I should know better Spanish. Um, but we have to note import. It is important to note that there is an actual species of the colossal squid. Oh yeah. yeah so I man. just want to point out that it could be a long lost. Um, yeah. Uh, didn't they say Predecessor. it was? Didn't they? It wasn't there an account at some point that the giant sea squid is probably what we got sea monsters from? Possibly. I mean, mm-hmm. those things are huge. They're huge. And mm-hmm. actually, eyes don't really creep me out. They, they don't, except for those eyes. Like when I when I watch the thing on Discovery Channel and I and like and it swims by and you see it's like giant eyeball that is yeah. like literally bigger than your own head and this yeah. eye and you can see. It's sentience. Like you can see the but damn it's things. Thinking. Like, oh, there's a curse word. Yeah. You can see it. Like you can actually see <laughs> its little eye moving around. Because like if you if you think about like dogs and horses, you don't really see the whites of their eyes. You don't. Mm-mm. You just see the um, I guess the iris. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that thing, let me just tell you. I even found creepy. a little bit of that when we went to the Atlanta Aquarium doesn't have any, the Georgia Aquarium, but in Chattanooga, I think you've been there too. I don't remember seeing one. There in were there were, uh there was there's two octopus that they have there. Oh yeah, I saw just the the regular ones, not right. the giant. But what? No, 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 they don't. But what I'm saying is, I found them. I was transfixed by them. The way that they move. Oh, they're fascinating. Yeah. And and watching them, yeah, it's different than watching, yeah, like a mammal or something. But yes, so the actual colossal squid, um, can grow up to 15 meters long, which doesn't mean anything to me, but it's up to 50 feet. <laughs> 
50 that's feet. So big. That's a really that's big creature. Really big. So imagine that just in, popping up in a dark and scary place that you're not used to, you don't understand, you don't have cameras, and you get home and you start exaggerating to your friends and family. You're like, it was 500 that feet. That is how. <laughs> And a myth is born. Oh, yeah. So, um, yes. So it's really, really fascinating. There's a little more I want to tell you about. Um, so basically, if you are interested in this at all, you should check out more in terms of Scandinavian folklore because there's a lot on sea serpents and sea monsters, specifically in the folklore of, like I was saying, Norway and Iceland, but then generally in Scandinavia, including um, a really famous, um, important book written in 1755. And this, I think, is also the sort of footnote of what's important to us when we're talking about this origin. Um, Bishop Eric Pontopidin, Pontopidin uh, wrote The Natural History of Norway, hmm. and he described sea serpents. Really? And there were few to no reports of sea serpents. And then from the publishing of his book they increased like, well, if there's, you know, few to none, like, you know, dozens oh, so fold. Then people being so then like, all oh, of a sudden everyone's seeing sea serpents. Um, and so there were um, about a hundred reported sightings every 50 years since then. What? So think about since 1755, all the way up until the present, people continue to report seeing uh, sea serpents. And uh, it is important to note though, as the author of the book Abominable Monsters that I mentioned, or Abominable Science uh, mentioned, he even says that he's like been fascinated in this because as a child, he saw a sea serpent and has like a very visceral memory of it. But his parents will describe that it, it could have been seeing any number of other things and just misunderstanding what you were seeing. Yeah, everything's scarier when you're a kid, too, or when you're younger, yes, everything he, looks bigger. Right. Well, imagine, like, if you were to see one thing with a head, and then, like, a lot of, if there was a school of people, things following it, and you might think it was a really long, um, like, oh, imagine a sea serpent coming yes. out of the water. Yeah. At, you know, multiple That's true. stages. And so you could, you know, I think it just goes back to the idea of humans and, like, what we see with our senses being incomplete and being what we want to see or what we only what we can comprehend seeing and so you know if you've heard of this kraken then you know you might be more likely to say oh i saw this kraken you know because because of the floor so so yeah i think it's important to note that from that point when he published the natural history of norway in 1755 that's when sea serpents started to get reported a lot more than they ever previously had I'm, and I also wonder if that's just because they now had the vocabulary to describe what they were seeing. Well, and also just like that more people are reading and writing and able to communicate and like channels of, you know, international things start to change. So it's, it's a lot of also like how much of this is the modern world and what we are able to communicate and write down than we were previously. Yeah, it's huge. It's so, huge. Communication is just a massive thing mm-hmm. in our world today. And you, and you even have like just the, in, just the idea of science and um, sort of the... Um, the, the idea, idea of, of well, I mean, of like writing things down yeah. and documenting yeah. what you can see. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I have one more note I want to briefly note since I thought I would about cryptozoology mm. as a field, um, which is basically the study of hin- of the science of hidden animals. So Man, purposeful research. Yeah, this is what it says. This is any purposeful research for unconfirmed animals. That's like what I should that have is, done. What yes. am I doing? I'm designing websites when so I could be learning you could about have, animals. There's still, there's still hope for you. Man. <laughs> you could have a whole second one as a cryptozoologist. Change. So a cryptid is any term that's used. It's, it's used to def- describe any animal that is essentially unproven. Um, and it's important to note, as I mentioned before, that there are a lot of species that were formerly cryptids because they were, quote, undiscovered. And you have to also remember who was writing down the rules of what is discovery because there are a lot of animals that existed in a lot of far off places that seemed very outlandish, but were known by the locals. And then sort of, you know, when the white man arrives and says, this is a such and such, like they're like, sure, right. you discovered it. But like, we knew it was here for a really long time. Yeah, so we just didn't have it. For, we didn't have they never recorded. Correct. Correct. So like in terms of modern science, it's important to note that a lot of these truly were like, you know, living in regions and we just simply didn't have enough of the world wasn't, you know, quote, like, written down as in the way that it is today like we, i mean and that's also one of the reasons why it's harder today to argue for mm-hmm. like 
Sasquatch being real because so yeah. much of stuff is like written down and that seen and we've kind of quote discovered, you know, the whole planet. And so what can, you know, sa- like there, to me, there's, it's a lot harder to justify that Sasquatch truly has never been proven versus I'm open to sea creatures. Cause listen, I, yeah, we just straight up don't know. Really yeah. It's a real big place. So that is my two cents or my 25 cents on 25 the, cents. Cr- the whole idea of cryptozoology. Um, and I think this is a really, really, this was super neat. I've, I loved learning about it. There's a bunch of books and recommendations I can suggest for you guys if you want to learn more. Awesome. That's the Kraken, guys. The Kraken. The Kraken. And we'll definitely have to post, when, especially when we publish this episode, uh, a picture of the rock-like creature that is underneath Ooh, yeah. the sea a fish I definitely want to see a and above the sea he is uh you know an island all his own so. that's awesome reminds me of a turtle actually yeah uh, i'm surprised you did you look up the or did you come across the carta marina in your research i only know that once briefly one of my site uh one of my old books mentioned like the mermaid and the kraken mm, okay. and i just like tried to look away <laughs> okay well just a quick note before i get into that um to stay on the sea monsters um there's a cartographer in between the years 1527 and 1539 so the 1500s um called olaus magnus olaus, oh yeah he came up him? somewhere in my work yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so he actually made this like map of the ocean and it's just just littered with sea monsters uh, i mean it is yeah. just full. we'll toss it up but it's all it's got mermaids and um different types of mermaids so i'll kind of olaus magnus was a person yes i think when i was doing this i wasn't quite sure like i saw that mentioned i don't know if it was a person or a place yeah well he went real crazy um so that map will toss up but it has all sorts of sea oh, cool. creatures and it looks really cool i kind of want like a huge print of it and like their locations and whatnot where they've been Somewhat, like reported to be seen not really on a global scale on like a more um less global scale <laughs> uh, ah. um yeah but more about like like what would be on an island what would be on a peninsula what would be close to the land what would be close yeah. to, like that kind of thing where it's not okay. like this is going to be here but um like based on geological features yes, almost or that's like, what i was trying to like, say <laughs> geological features or geographical find, features yeah um yeah what were we saying geological. well geological oh, would geology be like is the, not what the, we're talking yeah about. no we're talking about geography <laughs> But environmental geography, yeah. We're so fun. Um, So, yeah, it's got, like... Well, it does actually have... It says Scandia, whatever Scandia is. Um, I think it means just generally Scandinavia. Yeah, but it's, like, full of just things. So, um, to talk about mermaids, because I think you're handing the baton off to me now. I sure am. People are weird, guys. Let's just start off with that. Mermaids are... They're fun. Um, So, let's start. There's there's (laughs) two main theories with mermaids. So, the first one, we're going to go back... To the boat you're on a boat you're a sailor it takes a long time to be on a boat to travel yes. between two destinations so you're bored you're going a little crazy you're going crazy there's no women mm-hmm. there are no women mm-hmm. and you're eating the same thing over and over again there's no fresh food the water's recycled you're probably not even drinking water you're probably drinking beer because you can well it's 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 safer yeah in this kind yeah, of case exactly. i mean so you're probably just drunk all the time tired all the time <laughs> keeping that that sailor low-key yep. just just real a little bit out of it just real drunk and imagine when you've been either really drunk which <laughs> Me never. I've never been super drunk ever. <laughs> no but mild imagine poison you've, for you. Yeah, no, none of that. Um, so just imagine it's at night and you're just you see something and you're not really sure what you saw. Kind of like you were you talking about people. Um, we can we we, we, we or, can we can only see what we, yeah we, yeah or hallucinate um, or mm. you know embellish. So you, you you're a sailor and you lean over <laughs> and you see a mermaid and you're like oh my god there's like literally a, like a person down there there's a mermaid down there and your buddy's like dude that's a manatee <laughs> like oh. dude that is the ugliest thing i've ever seen and the other guy's like what are you talking about look at it it's beautiful look at all those curves and it has little arms because they do they have like little flipper things that's and they've true. got like a face that from and they're the kind of smooth yeah they're all smooth looking and like imagine if like one of them had like seaweed trailing off of it oh yeah 
or some breasts. <laughs> These sailors like, oh yeah, oh baby. Um, in yeah, fact, he maybe had a few too many. Oh yes. In fact, there is a recorded uh, quote from Christopher Columbus um, on his expeditions. He actually wrote in his diary. He said he saw three mermaids who came quite high out of the water, but were not as pretty as they are depicted. For somehow in the face, they look like men. Probably because they were manatees. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I'm trying to imagine the world in which you would live. I mean, because perhaps remember, maybe they don't even really know that well what sea creatures look like. Totally. Like now yeah. we can go to, a, mm -hmm. you know, a visual reference and see like what are, like, well, what do dolphins look like compared critter. to, yeah. you know, right, exactly. I mean, you don't have that. Well, yeah. And it's important to note that these manatees are a part of something called a sirenia. Mm -hmm. there, it's, there's three of them it's dugongs sea cows and manatees and sea cows i believe are an endangered sea cows mm -hmm. it's a distinct like, thing not like, like a an cow of the cow. sea yeah but i mean but, like, but that's the yeah word you're saying yeah yeah okay so those three things make up right. um uh uh something of animals called a sirenia whatever the grouping a grouping of animals called a sirenia okay so it's it's theorized that the sea cows which are now endangered or and very rare that those were the ones that they were probably seeing because they are a little bit more slender and they do look a little bit more human-like especially if you're like super crazy drunk um so this goes back to like the rhino unicorn thing you know you're embellishing it you're telling the story you're like dude i totally saw her and it's like no you really didn't but the crazy thing, so that's theory number one, is that okay. people were actually seeing something. They were just very drunk. The other theory um, kind of debunks that because, honestly, mermaid stories have been around for longer than there have even been boats or sailors. So ah, you can't really argue that mermaids came of that when we have the earliest known mermaid story for, with um, was 1000 BC. And I'm not saying they didn't have boats then, but I'm saying that they probably didn't go. Well, they weren't the doing ocean. like cross-continental travel. And I mean, we didn't. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So we have stories all the way back then. And the theory here is that honestly, the same thing with the Greek gods, we just like to explain things and we like to personify them. Mm -hmm. So there's the personification of like fire, you know, you've got like mm -hmm. Zeus and this, this mm -hmm. person. And then you've also got the personification of the ocean and, uh, and, and the person. Um, so the, the Titan, yeah, essentially, um, or they were real and now they're gone. <laughs> um, so the first story is about the goddess Atargatis, mother of Assyrian queen, Samaramis. She loved a mortal and accidentally killed him and then she jumps into a lake and she takes the form of a fish. Uh, okay. But the waters could not conceal her divine beauty. So, I mean... There you go. You just Mermaid. hate that. You can't conceal your beauty even when you Woman of the jump into. So she was really part fish, but she was so beautiful that they could still tell that she was a person. So there's a lot of stories like that that are involved with love. Um, so then we also have some other philosophers that postulated um, that mankind, prob they, they thought that mankind came from the water. They didn't know where we came from. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, maybe we, you know, evolved there and then we sprouted on land. Which so, societies did you say? This was um, Milesian, Milesian. Okay. Uh, philosopher Anaximander. Um, we're real good with pronunciation on this <laughs> uh, podcast. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, not just him, but a lot of people did think that uh, mermaids came or that we, we came from the ocean, yeah. which is not a dumb thing to think. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, we just dis discovered uh, germs like 140 yeah, exactly. years ago. Exactly. So, so it's, yeah, in the grand scheme of humanity, there are a lot of things that we haven't figured out or don't, or take a really long time to figure out. Yeah, exactly. So I think people back then were like, oh, we must have come from water. So there must be like the missing link, which would mm -hmm. be a mermaid. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, which would be a half fish, half person type deal. Are there um, any bones? Like, you no, know, nobody really. Because so, you know, you think about. I'm going to get into fish person bones. Yeah, no bones, but I will get into why it, it's always very sexual. Like, it's always somebody mm. loved somebody and they wanted this person, and so it, it has a lot to do with um, mm. wanting something you can't have or or have, having a fascination with the sea. It probably has a lot to do with why we have Pegasus, why we have things that yeah. can fly. Yeah. Um, 
um, bird people. Like we, we just really want to go places that we can't we can. go to. And also I think when you were first talking about sailors, I mean, I was just honestly thinking about, okay, yeah, if you're on there and you have, you know, no women, like you, it's almost like the, oh, um, God, you would, you the just sirens, right? It's like anything. what you want to imagine mm-hmm. that there's something, you know, really yeah. lovely. Although <laughs> I'm going to get to sirens. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, cause, I mean, they're also mermaids technically. Mm-hmm. I thought they were. Of. I can't yeah, really remember. They are. So we'll kind of talk about that. Um, so then we have the earliest surviving depiction of a mermaid. It's in England. It was built around 1078. Okay. So that's kind of an interesting note that, you know. In what format? What is like, um, what was the notebook and pen, ballpoint pen of? Okay. Statue. Yep. Mm-hmm. Statue. Yeah. And then we have, um, more alchemists, um, came out around the 1500s. Um, except this one said that the, uh, <laughs> uh, that a water sprite could acquire an immortal soul through marriage with a human. So this alchemist, Paracelsus, he wrote a treatise that said that, that if a a mermaid or a water creature could come, I'll say it again, could come to earth and then marry a human, they would get to have a soul. Okay. This led to, his treatise led to a writing um, from De La Motte, Fouquet's novella Undyme, and then that book led to Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale, the Little, the Little Mermaid. mermaid. Mm-hmm. Yes. So around the 1500s is when this whole notion of like true mermaids and myths and, and all this started to really come to um, mm. fruition. There is a world famous statue of the Little Mermaid based on Anderson's fairy tale. Yeah, I it saw is it. In, oh, awesome. It is in Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, since August 13th. 1913 with lots of copies there's apparently 13 other copies around the world cool Um, i didn't know that so i actually printed out the story and read the whole story because it's not that long of a story Ah. it was only like nine pages on kind of big text um, you know, he gets a lot of rap for like these stories being this really dark. This is the Hans dark. Christian Andersen yes, story? Yes, Hans Christian okay. Andersen, Little Mermaid. So I read the whole thing. He gets a lot of rap for the stories being really dark. And it's certainly darker than Disney's Little Mermaid. But I didn't think it was horrifically so. So Is the plot generally the same? Generally, it was very much the same. I was very okay. surprised by that. Even down to Ursula, the sea witch, she is also an octopus. They describe her as such. And she does... Or maybe a kraken. Yeah, or yeah, she's a kraken lady, <laughs> lady kraken. Um, and instead of taking her voice, which is the nice, sweet thing, she actually just cuts off her tongue. Oh, she's okay. like, you don't have a voice. And, so there's uh, no getting it back. Unless no I guess there's magic involved. But. And then the other unfortunate thing is because of what I just said about this myth that uh, the Little Mermaid, she had to make the prince fall in love with her. And if she didn't, she would die. Okay. And because so she can't talk. already no tongue, taking time bomb on life. Yep. Oh, also, a there's little a little note her. about yeah. how every step she takes will feel like daggers up her feet because she's not supposed Ooh. to have feet. So, so every single step she takes, it feels like daggers. And she's like, it's worth it. I love him. She's like 15. So it's like fine. I mean, she's this like, is when handsome. folks... Yeah. Got married. <laughs> so uh, they were only going to live to be 45. Yeah, I guess. Um, so uh, he does not love her back because she can't talk. He's oh. like, oh, you're my dumb little mute thing. Yeah, it's real rough. So she can't mm. talk. And so um, at the end, her sisters go make a the sisters get a lot more play in this story um they all go to the sea witch and they're like hey what can we do we want to save our sister we don't want her to die and the sea witch trades their hair okay which is much less threatening than your tongue i guess but trades her hair and um it makes a dagger and they give the i don't know why they couldn't just find a dagger it's fine um they take the dagger and they give it to their sister the little mermaid and they're like kill the prince and you'll turn back into a mermaid. Oh, also it's oh, important to know. So the sisters mm-hmm. now have to kill the prince. The si- no, yeah, the little mermaid does. I forget. I don't think she has an actual name. No, they just said the youngest sister. Um, the other note is that mermaids live for 300 years Whoa. in this story, but they don't have a soul. So when they die, okay. they just die. Okay. Whereas humans have souls. And when they die, they get to There's go on to sure. the afterlife, whatever. So they're all kind of like, you know what? They, they think it's a fine trade off. They're like, oh, we... It's well, not going to matter. Yeah. So wait, so the, but the little mermaid is the one that has to kill the yes. prince. Little mermaid's got to kill the prince. But the sisters are the ones that provided the dagger. Yes. Sisters okay. like, we got you this dagger. Here you go. So, but she loves him. So what's going to be the. Oh yeah. So. That's a lot of conflict. He, he's marrying somebody else and uh, she decides that she can't do it. That she loves him so much, even though he's marrying somebody else. She just and dies. She just, yep. She just dies. But mm. the magical fairies of the, of the world. There's like these little air fairies 
they come to her and they're like, you know what? Because of your good deed, we're going to let you live with us for 300 years. Her good deed being not killing the prince. Yes. Her good okay. deed being not murdering someone. Hmm. Um, so that is like, that's, that's probably the biggest, most famous story. And then of course, Disney takes it from there, which, I, you know, it's almost one-to-one except for the dark craziness. I mean, she does I recently have to sort rewatched of it on Disney prince. plus. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So I have a, a quiz. Um, what year was the Disney's little mermaid released? 89. Oh, gosh. You didn't even let me read out the choices. I had like four choices. Am I right? Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need choices in my trivia. Multiple choice quiz. Uh, it was 1989, which, you know, some of those things because, I mean, I wasn't born yet in 1989, but some of these uh, movies in my childhood, because I kind of watched them all around the same time, to me, they're just they cemented in my own childhood. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Also, The Little Mermaid, just as a fun fact, is considered the, the film that put Disney back on the map. And started the Disney Renaissance. Yeah, because the next was my favorite, which is Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but before then, they were kind of seeing a critical uh, and commercial failures. Well, name, yeah, because name any Disney movies that came out in the 80s. I mean, I guess Snow White is what kicked it all off, But that right? was in the 50s. Yeah, okay, I mean, and then you have things like Mary Poppins and the Rescuers and things that were classic in the 60s and the 70s. And then really, like, think about the 80s. I mean, truly, yeah. challenge challenge me what is one disney no. movie yeah so little mermaid really uh really mm-hmm. uh put it back on the map but to kind of go back to the the olden olden days um pliny the elder gotta bring him <laughs> up so he during his time uh he of course recorded mermaids because i think he just sort of recorded things like true or not well, he was gonna write it but it is also important to to remember that i think he was considered a natural historian he and was, yeah. he was He's one of the oldest, so even if anyone wrote it before him and the rec- record was destroyed, he mm-hmm. his is like the h- farthest back we can go before there's you know what wouldn't have been before him. So I think that's one thing I've come to realize is like, of course it was him because what was going to come before has either been destroyed or right we can't access it, and so he was then like it's such an he's such an important important like point in mm-hmm. time that recorded stuff. He Super really useful. is. And of course we have his entire works. Thanks to producer Johnny. Yes. Um, so we, uh, his quote was, he did recognize these nymphs as half human, half fish mermaids, though mm-hmm. the portion of body that resembles the human figure is still rough all over with scales. So his mermaid was still kind of more like a fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, when maybe like a human face and such, um, he also mentions sea men who, um, when night falls climb into ships upon which the side of the vessel where he seated himself would instantly sink downward. So like sea men who sunk ships, I guess. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's like a whole thing. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple of other legends. So there's another really popular one in the 1300s about, and th- now this one, I'm going to kind of read a summary because there's like 15 versions of the same thing. There was a Duke Raymond. He's like hanging out in the woods and he sees um, a woman and little known to him, she's actually a mermaid, but I guess she's just like, in the chilling woods? in the woods for a little while. Well, maybe she's like by an ocean or whatever, but she's like, right. she can change. So he begs her to he, be Maybe his he's wife. at the edge of the forest. Yeah, he's at the edge of the forest, the forest next meets to the, the ocean. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, so she's like, fine, I'll be your wife. But this, these myths are always really weird where it's like, you can't. So she says, Yeah, just you can't, can you just like say no? Yeah, no. Like, she's like, what? okay, sure. But you can never bother me on Saturdays because that's when I bathe, which is like the whole super day. specific. He yeah. gets a whole day. Whole day to bathe. He can't bother her on Saturday. Mm, so, something fishy's going on. Oh, yeah. But um, bump. So Raymond says yes. But then, of course, because he's just got to, <laughs> he uh, goes and checks on her while she's bathing. And so of course, she's secretly a mermaid? Yeah, she's a yes. mermaid. But here's what crazy, crazy happens is that when she see, she, of course, finds out that he saw her, she turns into a dragon and eats him. So not That's only you get, is she sir. mermaid person, she's also a dragon. Yeah. In this myth. So what do people think is like the origins or intention or purpose of that story? Like, is it just an interesting? Like, what is that? Well, I'm gonna get into sirens a little bit because okay. of the. Um, I will get to that. 
I'm kind of close. I have one more legend <laughs> that I wanted to tell. Um, and I want to make sure that we're not just doing legends on places that are comfortable. Like we're both really trying to make sure we're talking about Norway and pronouncing things. So another one is um, from Arabia. Uh, 1001 Nights was a huge, huge, um, a collection of Middle Eastern folktales compiled in Arabic during the Islamic mm-hmm. Golden Age. Um, in English, it's known as the Arabian Nights, mm-hmm. which you've heard of, but you might not have known what it was. Um, and it, it's pretty old. I think they said it's like around the 1600s, but they don't have an accurate date. Um, so there's like a thousand stories here and a mermaid's in one of them. Um, Do you know the premise of that, of that, that story? The mermaid? Arabian Nights. No, I just read that there's a, there's a, there's a collection of stories called a thousand and one nights. Yes, it is. It is, um, a woman who the, oh, now I'll bungle like the whole mythos, but basically (laughs) this woman, um, was going to die at the hand of the king, and I believe she was probably a concubine uh, or being. She was a lady that was his, you know, a- accompanying him, and she learned or just or starts telling him stories, and they're so great ooh, that he keeps her alive. Amazing. So she keeps telling stories um, so that she can keep living. So yes, she's definitely going to draw on some legend and lore to try to keep this King so entertained so that she can stay alive. Yeah. Very cool. And if you don't know about our podcast on the next podcast, if we did anything wrong, we will correct. Oh, for sure. Tell us show notes, which we'll have to rename because we're in the closet right now. We'll call it like closet corrections. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) That's the corrections closet. Corrections closet. Um, so (laughs) check for that and we'll research it. But one of these stories does talk about uh, mermaids, talking serpents, talking trees, and other forms of life. So it's really interesting that even in um, Arabic uh, stories, there's still a mermaid. Mm -hmm. But why are mermaids so uh, sexual or why do they want um, men? Why are they drawing men? Well, Hmm. that, let's go back to the sailor and the sinking ship. So, or not the sinking ship, back to the sailor. (laughs) Spoiler sinking ships. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about it. So I said it out loud. So manatees are usually found by the shore. They're not really deep ocean creatures. True. So the thing is you might be drunk and your captain might have run too close to shore. And if you're seeing manatees, you're too close. Your ship's going to wreck. Mm. So the association is manatee equals mermaid equals shipwreck because you're too close to shore. So Ah. people started associating when they saw these mythical creatures. Well, that's when your boat wrecks. Do you think that it's also associated with like, do you, do you think, or was there evidence to suggest that they wanted to go see what those beautiful creatures Mm, were and then they got too close? Perhaps. Like I'm thinking of the idea of the siren. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So a siren is a mermaid. She just has two tails. Ooh. Like the Starbucks mermaid, which I'm going to talk about. Oh. Yep, she's got two oh, so neat. split tails. Um, and there's really not many differences between a true siren and a mermaid, except that sirens also, in some myths, um, are like birds on top and fish on bottom. Okay. Um, and sirens can sing and they lure, <laughs> lure, <laughs> my country accent uh, coming out there, they lure sailors to shore, quote unquote, but they're not really. The sailors were already close to shore. It's their problem. I see. Um, two really popular. But men stuff. are going to try to find a way to blame a woman for something. Oh, so. my God. Yeah. They're like, this mermaid. I can't She's believe the she made that my we shipwrecked. shipwrecked. Oh, my gosh. There's two really popular sirens. The first one is in Homer's Odyssey. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with the Odyssey. I love Greek mythology. Um, in Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus is traveling back home from war, and he comes across lots of hijinks and missteps and crazy things happen to him. It's an odyssey. It's an odyssey, yeah. (laughs) So So named. at one point, Odysseus is warned by Circe, which is a fantastic book. There's a book called Circe by Madeline Miller. I'm pretty sure it's the author. Uh, it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite books of all time. But I it thought it was called Cirque. Cirque. <laughs> when I see that, because I can picture the cover yeah, and it yeah. just says Cirque. You know, <laughs> I think I read that it's not even Circe. It's like Circe or it might be Cirque, but because of but Game of Thrones, Cirque. I'm calling it Circe. So, uh, so Circe warns Odysseus. She's like, hey, there's some sirens on your way and they're bad news. They will lure your ship to 
sinking um <laughs> and they're gonna sing songs and so it's just like well how are we gonna know when it starts and stops so, you'll know well but you go crazy when you hear them mm, oh i see you go crazy when you hear them so what he does is he has his crew tie him to a mast and then he gives them all earwax um so that they can or i think it's like maybe wool or something sure, that something plug to plug their, their ears, ears. yeah mm-hmm. and then he is the only one so they see when he starts going crazy they're like ah, okay we're in siren territory okay. and then they keep going and then the second he's done being crazy they're like okay we're good we're good we're good we're good so the sirens of greek myth so imagine just a bunch of sea ladies like come on um i guess there's also sirens in uh harry potter well there's talking, there's mer people yeah yeah I guess they, they would the technically language. be Mermish. sirens because they. Oh my god, we're we such don't we nerds. don't technically know how many um, we're very fins or tails they have, right? Yeah, no, I can't think in my head. I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess we're just gonna have to watch that movie again. All shucks, we'll just turn another it. Harry Potter yeah. movie. <laughs> uh, we'll have to put it on. I'm not really sure. I remember, but I know that they sing. Remember, mm-hmm. they're, they're singing to him. Well, there too. might even be a description in one of the books. I just don't know it. Yeah. It's, we'll read it. Um, and then, of course, the other popular siren is the Starbucks cup logo. And I have a lot of resources on that. Um, when this, you're into logos and so oh, you're that's into branding. True. So, that is of true. course, you're going I'm to be a brand in designer. That. Yeah, that's very true. So, the Starbucks mermaid um, is a siren, first of all, because she has two tails. Um, and she is not really from anything except that the old brand. Well, let me correct that. Starbucks as a brand is, has been nautical since its beginning. It's been ocean themed because mm. um, it's in Portland and or, uh, Seattle, excuse me, and it's close to water. Mm-hmm. And so they always wanted it to be something that was kind of water related. Um, the name Starbucks comes from Moby Dick, the um, oh. the uh, captain Ahab's first mate is named Starbuck from Moby Ahab. Dick. So they Ahab. Sure. Yep. Um, never read it, so I don't know. Um, they were going to consider naming it after his boat, the Pecod? Pecod? Pequod? Hey, will you pick me up a Pecod? <laughs> <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? I have no I idea. Well, I've not read Moby Dick. I just know yeah, Ahab. But that is not catchy. Cat Mayhab. Yeah. You want a Starbucks. You don't want oh, a Oh, for sure. Yeah. So they changed it to be Starbucks. Um, and then as they were flipping through, so a lot of logo designers, I can tell you guys, um, well, I guess the real secret is that nothing is new anymore. We get inspiration from yeah. everything because everything exists already. So there's not really a new shape or a new thing or a new yeah. whatever. We're currently going through like major appreciation of 80s and 90s, which yeah, is so funny. Exactly. We're kind of redoing re- all yeah. that. So um, the original designer was flipping through and found a 16th century Norse woodcut. And I have the photo. Oh, and cool. he was like, yeah, you look at this thing and you're like, mm, I would not have chosen it. I mean, it evolved to what it is today, but it huh. is not cute. I mean, it, it's like a weird looking, it's very sexual. I will show It's like a, it's like a, I mean, she's holding her fins out. Okay. In a very provocatively, and yeah, she's but naked. Yeah, but you just crop that and, part out and put it on your coffee cup. Uh, well, so. I'll show you guys, but it, you know, I wouldn't have chosen it, but you know, it, it's, it's fine. Um, so that's where the. So what do you think about the actual logo though? Like you as a logo designer? Oh, I like the actual logo. I think that, um. Starbucks, especially, um, there's a, there was a huge trend and it still kind of is of like simplifying logos. Everyone's like, Oh, just make it the most simple shape it can be. And I'm glad that they're not doing that. It does need to be a complex thing. I think Mm -hmm. it does feel great. Not every logo needs to be like the Nike symbol or Apple. Like it's okay that their logo is what it is. I do think that I, uh, looking at the timeline of it, um, the timeline looks good to me. Like the, um, like every time they've cleaned up the logo, I'm like, yes, that was the right choice. Mm. So I do think that the Starbucks logo is is pretty good, and I like that it still honors its roots. Watch them change it like next month. <laughs> this, that would be like the funniest thing if it was like, oh, Starbucks. Well, then this podcast becomes an historical a moment in time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> of um, old Starbucks logo. <laughs> so, so uh, oh, and the the name Siren comes from Greek siren, um, which means rope. So like mermaids and sirens being like the ones that tie or grab uh, or lure mm-hmm. or yeah lure lure <laughs> people over <laughs> lure them oh, over God oh it's like Olivia's really from Alabama yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
what? She's done a really good job. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily oh, know that. No, um, yeah. Except you guys. N- not to me, fault anyone from Alabama. Yeah, just pointing out lovely. in case you don't know where she's from. Yeah. And you guys asked me the other day, like, oh, hey, Ben How said you say this spell L U R E. And I don't know, he said say L U R E. And I was like, oh, my brain knew that it's lure, but I couldn't do it. So I was like, lure. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Okay, my it's not last bad. Note. It's just how people speak. I know it's it's very funny. Okay, I have one last note, and then I'm done. There is a great, hilarious thing called a Jenny Hanover, and it is a curious souvenir that started appearing uh, around the mid 16th century. A um, souvenir? Yeah, you would okay. like buy them. And okay, keep it in your house, uh, and so it was thought to be proof that mermaid-like creatures existed what it really was and i showed you the picture of it before the podcast um what it really was was uh skates and like stingrays they would cut them up because have you ever looked at the the face side of a stingray it looks like a face it does they have faces stingrays are so cool yeah they are awesome but very scary when viewed (laughs) from the underside yeah (laughs) and so a lot of people started cutting them up into the shape of a mermaid and then so like dragged them and sold them and were like mermaids exist look at this and people believed it for a really long time because that's what we do so these are like weird seafaring um taxidermists yeah i guess that's strange real strange it's just yeah people are weird um so that's mermaids it really has a lot to do with embellishment um with uh sailors blaming something else on their ship's Wrecking. And then, of course, humanity's relationship with forces it can't understand. It loves to just say it's a god and then mm-hmm. <laughs> pair it up with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really fascinating. It was fun. It was fun. I knew the manatee thing that I have read about Interesting. multiple times. But it was, I mean, it's right that mermaids have been a myth for longer than we've had boats and ships like that so it had to come from somewhere and of course i'm a huge fan of greek mythology so i'm gonna toss all of this up on the website and um also read the hans christian anderson story because it's not that long and it's a kind of an interesting fable i love it yeah so that's mermaids and the kraken or generally sea monsters as well yeah ocean myths and um as always as we mentioned if there's something really important that we left out or something that we got wrong Write to us and tell us. Yeah, we love feedback. We love emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be much more active on Instagram because over the past two years, I have a web design business and I've had to learn a lot about Instagram and marketing. For so, better or worse. You yeah, know stuff. for better or worse. You know, I have opinions about it, but if it's effective, it's effective. Um, well, it's a good way for us to talk to you guys and see absolutely. You know, what what is your feedback on the show yeah, and so what comment, you're enjoying. Um, and stay tuned for a few notes about some other um, causes that we're passionate about. Thank you. We did it! This podcast was produced by Johnny Stubbs in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us online at theoriginsofpodcast.com or to help us support this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theoriginsofpodcast. This isn't a podcast about politics or social justice, but we exist in a world that has both. We're recording this during a time of incredible events in our country, with social movements and protests bringing attention to America's institutional racism and embedded white supremacy. There's no way to record this podcast in a vacuum, nor would we want to. We know there are far more important things in your mind right now than our reverent romp through firsts and who thought of this? We really enjoy bringing you this kind of content and hope you will enjoy season two. But our podcast is also a reflection of who we are, Jesse and Olivia, and we want to use our platform for good now and throughout the lifetime of this project. To that end, you will see on our website, theoriginsofpodcast.com, our Instagram and our Patreon, links to donate and join the causes of some of the organizations doing important work for change. Any donation you make of $10 or more to one of those organizations, send us proof and your mailing address, and we'll happily mail you a magnet and letter of thanks. And of course, we encourage you to engage with those organizations, learn more, and take action if you are able. We are so glad you're here. Let's grow together.